0: Hey, welcome back to Rebel Movement Podcast. My name is Billy. My pronouns are they, them, or she, her. And I'm quite excited for this conversation today. Um, I think it's, I think it could be a really big conversation. So we'll just kind of see what happens. But I'm also excited to introduce our guest, my guest, I guess, today is Laura. Thank you so much for joining. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited you're here. Can you tell us your pronouns um, and like a little bit about you?
1: Yeah. So my name is Laura Days. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a certified intuitive eating counselor. I am a, I think we've maybe talked about this. I'm a musician in a past life, kind of still in real life. Um, But my work now really revolves around helping people heal their relationship with food, with their body, with movement, and ultimately with themselves. So I do that mostly through my coaching i also teach yoga and coach um f45 mm-hmm. so that's that's what i do
0: yeah that's awesome how long have you been doing that work for
1: so i started uh, i'm using air quotes here nutrition coaching back in oh, yeah. 2019 and that was kind of a transition from my background in education i studied music um but i also studied music education and so i was doing a lot of teaching And I wanted to learn more about nutrition because we're not really taught about it in school, which Mm -hmm. is a whole other conversation that we could have (laughs) about it. Um, But did the certification, people started asking me for help and I was like, okay. And so I just kind of started coaching people, again, using air quotes, the way that I had been coached and saw pretty quickly that nutrition education Yes, is important, but like that doesn't get to the root of people's challenges with food mm-hmm. for the most part. And so kind of over the past four years since I started coaching, started my coaching business, um, I've really kind of morphed into this more holistic approach, looking at the whole person, using intuitive eating. And some gentle nutrition um when needed, but you know a lot of times people actually know what they're supposed to be eating. they're just not mm-hmm. doing it, so like again, it's not really about the knowing as much as it's about the doing and the implementing and the breaking past um, uh, barriers that are are preventing people from actually taking care of their bodies.
0: Mhm, cool, yeah, the, I think having the holistic approach is so important, especially with stuff like nutrition, where we've had uh a lot of misinformation and also it's typically like quite loaded in terms of the emotional um emotional weight of it I guess like it's a it's not just like hey this is a simple thing with like no this is actually a gigantic huge and trauma like trauma filled area. Yeah
1: a hundred percent. I actually had um I just started teaching at a new yoga studio new to me. Um, mm-hmm. and I met one of the teachers and he was saying, uh, we were just chatting. He was like, Oh, what do you do? You know, other than teach yoga. And I said, um, I'm an intuitive eating counselor. So I help people improve their body image and improve their relationship with food. And he looked at me and he goes, Oh my God, I didn't know people did that. I have like so much food trauma. Oh. Like, yeah, like a lot, a lot of people do. And yeah, so it feels like, I don't know about you, because I know so many other people who do similar work. I feel like everyone talks about it all oh, the yeah. time, but Me like, <laughs> normal people, yeah, like normal people are like, no one's talking about it.
0: Yeah, that's true. I do feel like that. Like, I feel I've surrounded myself with, um, even on my social media with people who are like body positive, fat positive, they're. Yeah doing, they're teaching body positive or like fat positive movement or their relationship with food. I have like several intuitive eating coaches who are like friends of mine or whatever. And um, when I talk about, especially the, like the yoga part is just like, you know, there's so many different yoga teachers or movement teachers, but like when I talk about the, my approach and like what makes me different and that like coaching to help people like what you do, but with people's relationship with movement, like helping to sort of repair some of that a lot of people are like oh like I didn't exactly like I didn't know that was a thing like it but it's um so I, I'd also feel like no like it's everywhere <laughs> but it's actually like a teeny tiny little niche a teeny tiny little group and I oh. just we just have our like supportive communities which I really love like having those moments when you're like oh yeah like I've made myself like a positive little space here that's so supportive but like it's tough for people who are maybe in not in that space and they're still stuck in the um I don't know what to call it like super critical or darker I don't know yeah, yeah. It's just I mean, the harder side of the, I don't know <laughs> on the, the other
1: dietary, side, yeah. side. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah yeah exactly
1: there's a um, way out in case yeah no, there's a way
0: out. <laughs> there is a way out for sure. And it is, um it's so intimidating when you first start to like come out of it because you're like, you're so surrounded by people who are still in diet culture. So that like, you might not, it feels a little bit like you're going against the grain, which I, you kind of are. But when you find like coaches or groups or like make friends who are doing the same thing, it isn't as lonely as it feels at the beginning, and there is definitely way out. And it just takes time. Like it's not you're not going to wake up and be totally healed and everything's fine. Like it's a very long healing road, but um, there's definitely resources and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah it's that's
1: such a good it's, point. Sorry to interrupt. I, I was going to say that's such a good point you make about like almost like feeling this pull to stay because I do yeah. think go you know, to your point it is there is this fear of like we're we innately have this herd mentality right like we want to mm-hmm. be accepted we want to be loved and so that feels really scary it's like what do i bond with people about if we're not talking about our diets or our bodies yeah. or and also our nervous system is calibrated to that so like if you so don't true. have safety not in food and not like if you've been using move, uh, movement and food as a coping mechanism and you, we take that away, like there's a whole nervous system recalibration that has to yeah. happen. Yeah. So
0: yeah,
1: that's yeah. But it's all yeah. again. And I'll be done. I swear. it'll be
0: done. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I think that's, it does really connect to our topic today because it is. It's, Oh, I had a, such a smooth transition in my head a second ago, and as soon as I started to say it out loud, it like poof and it's gone. Um, <laughs> imagine this is a smooth transition. Just you know, picture it in your head. This, you no, such a it. good transition. <laughs> but today we're <laughs> wanting to talk about thin privilege and ways that um, like to better to show up as to see all the words are gone now to be a better ally for um people who are in fat bodies and that whole there's like this full disclosure can be several it is probably a bunch of podcast episodes already there's books written on it there's like we're not going to get into all of the all of the information in this podcast but (laughs) laura and i are going to do our best to like give you some um information that will be like a start off point or maybe there's someone in your life who feels like they could use a gentle like you feel like they could use a gentle nudge and hope that you can send this to them. <laughs> um, so did you how did you want to start? Did you want us to talk about a bit about like what Thin privilege is or do you have any thoughts you want to put out before we get into that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's important to acknowledge and I've been thinking about this so much. I uh, just as like a little more background that you probably know, Billy, but whoever's listening doesn't, um, I am in this kind of weird space as a human where I am ethnically Jewish, but I'm white passing and I'm doing work in the fat positive space but i have thin privilege my husband is black like i just have all of this like intersectionality happening in my life and i think that's part of why i have really been drawn to the the fat positive space is like i see it all as i didn't share this either my younger sibling is trans um mm. so like i see all of this you know, trans bodies, black bodies, or really non white bodies, fat bodies, like this is all intersectional body liberation.
0: Yes. And
1: I feel really strongly about this work because, and it's interesting because I think we see this in the health space too this like almost putting things into little neat boxes where it's like, oh, I am out, outside of the health space, it's like, I am anti racist or, mm. um, I am a trans ally. And it's like, we really can't put these things in boxes. Like either you want all bodies to be liberated or you don't. Yeah. And that has been coming up with my clients because this is kind of a long segue, um, because a lot of them, you know, unsurprisingly, because of the culture we all grew up in have anti fat bias that is subconscious. Like we, Mm. we were just raised with it, but my clients are also incredibly social justice oriented. I just had an application come in from someone who was like, I want to work with you because you speak out about these really important issues. And it's like, cool. I love that. That means my clients care also, Mm. even if they don't know it about being fat positive. And so my work has really kind of Focused on that with some of my current clients and like pulling apart their own internalized fat phobia because that's what's consistently holding them back from freedom is like they're fat, but they still inherently think that it's a bad thing. And like we can't heal until we make that go away. So, like that, just to give you and whoever's listening a little bit more background and like a little bit of the the icky like stuff we have to look at like that's a Mm. lot of what's into this work Mm. Uh, and I acknowledge that I'm in a thin body and so I also think it's important that we have just like it's important to have you know white people doing anti-racist work and cis people doing um trans Rights work. It's also important to have people in thin bodies doing fat positive work because the people who are biased against these groups are not going to listen to the members of the groups.
0: Um, yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah. So like, that was kind of word vomit, but that. No, I think hard. it was. <laughs> yeah,
0: it was. Um, I was gonna say something. I'm gonna hold back that statement because I grossed myself out with that. I was like going to make a statement about how there's so much good information in there. I'm just going to say that way. Um because that is a good point and I have that part written down the intersectionality is so important and the way that we the way that we're talking about the like um thin for thin privilege and um fat positive issues today is we can't really like we're kind of taking it as a box like it being slightly boxed off because we're not we don't have time to talk about the all, everything but it is so important to recognize that it is intersectional and it's um, so tied to everything else. And when we get into talking about what thin privilege is, there is still, I mean, if, I guess I can't talk about all of intersectionality in here, but it's definitely something, if this is like the beginning of your social justice work to put on your like to-do list or whatever, like, start looking into, like, what is intersectionality, and, like, where, what are some of the ways that you are privileged, some of the ways that, um, you know, this might impact, because if someone is in a fat body, and they also are a person of color, or they also are trans, they're facing even more, um, there was an easy way of summing up everything but they're facing more harassment and more difficulties and more um I cannot think of the word um
1: oppression
0: yes thank you that's the word then if we are you are one of those intersectional identities so so important I think to acknowledge that and I um I think that it's it is really tied to everything and it's not as it's not necessarily as easy as we may think it is to like come start coming out of diet culture and acknowledge that privilege because it like with all, a lot of other things it has really deep roots and some of these roots are in our like in in our systems like in the medical field and when you look into the research behind why they're there like there is no reason there's no medical reason or no scientific reason that those parts are in place it's just it's really complicated and it's a really a journey that like an unlearning journey that is it has to sort of become a part of your day-to-day or your it doesn't have to be you're not you don't have to spend like an hour every day doing this homework but like (laughs) with like practicing anti-racism and um practicing being a better ally for queer folks and all of these other intersections it has to be a thing that you integrate into your life not just like hey I took a one course I listened to one podcast and now I'm totally fat positive like no (laughs) there's anti-fat bias that like is in there like hidden under a bunch of shit that will just randomly pop up and you're like hey wait a minute I thought we talked about this (laughs) (laughs) 100 percent yeah um and I'm still doing the work
1: like yeah I tell my clients all the time, like it's not, I mean, ho- hopefully it's it goes away at some point before I die completely, but like it's really more about the the thoughts. The I'm like trying to explain how I experience the thoughts. It's like <laughs> that judgment will come out and I'll be like, whoa. <laughs> Hold on a second. You don't actually know anything about this person, but yeah. those instances become fewer and farther between, right? Where like before I did any of this work, it was like every time I saw a fat person, mm-hmm. and then once I acknowledged it, I was like, oh, that's interesting, and it's like a little bit less frequent. And the more we work, we do, the more infrequent it becomes. But like yeah. as you're saying, the more digging you do, and the more healing you do, and the more work you do, like shit gets uncovered and you Mm -hmm. see something else and you're like, oh, I guess I need to look at that now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's true. It is. It's, it's a whole journey. (laughs) And Um,
1: like, I want to say too, it doesn't make you a bad person. It means that you're human. I think that really gets in the way for some people to doing this work is it they, the, the thought process is like, well, then I have to acknowledge that I'm a bad person. And it's like, No, Mm. we're acknowledging that we're human and that we were raised in a toxic society and you're actually a really fucking great person for embarking on doing this work.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's so needed. It's yeah, it's, you're not a bad person because it's stuff that you learned and it's such a needed thing that to start learning these things, um, I lost the rest of my train of thought. (laughs) Um, I also want to acknowledge here that, um, although I'm in a bigger body, I still do have, um, like straight size privilege. I don't think, I don't know if that's the proper term, but I do have some privileges in the body that I'm in. So when we're talking about thin privilege, it's I have like a couple lists of some things here, but it is a something that I think is important to continue. I'm going to put in the note, in the show notes, there's a, um, I think it's Project Humanities thin privilege checklist is, um, is one of the things we'll put in there. I forgot to write the other thing down, but there's an article, about what thin privilege, what thin privilege is, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, and it's, um it's just it's it's not like necessarily as simple as all bodies have all of these privileges it's some of them are situational but there are definite um times where I'm maybe I should just tell you what it is. I'm not making it super confusing. (laughs) Um, other resources, and there's going to be quite a few resources in the comments or in the show notes as well. Another podcast that talks a lot about this is maintenance phase. It's a really great podcast. And then Aubrey Gordon has two books. Mm -hmm. Um, one of them, I'm going to guess the name, but I, I probably shouldn't it's how to lose weight and other myths we tell fat people. Mm -hmm. Um, and i haven't i have i'm like in the middle of listening to that one right now so i but both i've heard lots of good feedback about both her books i think she has two um
1: uh, i think isn't the other one the one that's um what we don't talk about when we talk about fat yes yeah that's
0: it okay yeah yeah lots of research is put into those books and i highly highly recommend adding them to your roster or whatever you call it um so when we're talking about thin privilege there's like I said it's a whole spectrum and something that is so is I don't know if inherent is the word um we don't even necessarily notice that some of these things are the normal until you exist in a body where these things are like these situations happen so some of them are like one of the I'm not I'm not gonna rate their harmfulness because they're all, all harmful, but one of them is being taken seriously at the doctor's mm-hmm. where you can go to the doctor with a say, like your throat's really sore or something completely not related at all in any way to your body size. And they'll say, Oh, you should just lose weight. Like, oh, here's a you know, weight loss thing. I went to the doctor about mental health issue once and they sent me or they gave me a pamphlet on their like weight loss group. Or something, so stuff like that, and it's like risking people's, literally risking people's lives, and basing their care plan on something not related at all, and their issues aren't taken seriously, and that really ties into a whole ish, list of issues we probably don't have time to talk about, of like false, like basing health data on BMI which is completely not at all related to health in any way and anyway I feel like I'm trying to pull back a rant because
1: well I hear you (laughs) are you okay if I chime in for a second Yeah, yeah so the way that like I'm glad I'm glad that that was the first example you gave because I think the most prominent example of thin privilege that I experience in terms of like disparities between me and my, some of my clients who are fat are that like, I can go to the doctor and know that I will receive treatment. Whereas they Mm. go to the doctor and they're like, am I going to receive treatment? Or are they just going to tell me that I need to lose weight? Are they going to put me on some crazy low calorie diet or like, I never had to think about that. And that mm-hmm. is a, a really prominent example of my thin privilege is like, I've always just assumed that when I go to the doctor, I'm going to receive the treatment that I need. Yeah. Um, and so one of the, one of the tools that I offer to my clients is if that is the quote unquote advice that they're given is to ask their healthcare provider is that the same advice that you would give someone in a small body? Mm -hmm. Because, and like, we shouldn't have to (laughs) ask that question. No, we shouldn't. That's true. We do need to advocate for ourselves. And Mm so, you know, uh, opting out of being weighed, unless you are receiving a prescription medication that requires dosing based on your size, there's no reason that you would need to get on the scale. So Mm -hmm. I tell my clients, like, you have the option to opt out. And if they try to push you, ask them, are you planning on prescribing me medication today? And if the Mm -hmm. answer is no, you do not have to get on the scale. Um, And then, you know, asking that question, if the treatment is to lose weight, which is not a treatment, saying, you know, if I were, if I fell between these other two numbers on your little table, would you tell me the same thing? If not, I would like to receive the actual healthcare recommendations that you would give to someone else.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good tool. I think and you can also, if if there is the case where they have to waive for the medication, you can also ask them not to tell you, mm-hmm. which is Great. like can be helpful Great. as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I'm pulling back a whole other um, tangent on. Where intersectionality comes into this,
1: yeah <laughs> um, uh, i want I'm curious yeah. your thoughts on something, yeah. so I have never even thought to like not get weighed at the doctor because mm-hmm. I have not been impacted like it's not I'm very lucky to say that like the number has not really impacted me in any significant way,, mm-hmm. uh, but I was thinking about. And now I'm like, wow, I really need to schedule my annual because <laughs> I'm like for a while. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was thinking about just having them not weigh me as a form of advocacy and just saying like, I eat what, like, why do you need my body weight mm-hmm. just I, to get them thinking about it in case no one else has.
0: Yeah, I think it's it, like the more people that do it. I would like to think and like to hope that the more messages they get from their clients saying like, I don't want to be weighed because my the studies, like science literally shows that BMI and my weight have nothing to do with my health. It's not a valid health marker. Um, the more people that they, clients that they, rece- they have that are saying, may saying that message, I would like to think it might make the doctor think about Oh, hey, maybe mm. I should change this, but yeah, um, it's hard to say. It's hard to say the impact, but I I think that it's definitely a positive, like a positive step because it also is, even in uh, like folks in thin bodies, it can still be a really triggering totally thing to know, and mm. um, like there's I have like several moments of the doctor being at the doctor and them telling me my weight or whatever. And it being like, you know, one of the times I was in my, one of the worst parts of my eating disorder and my BMI was still showing that I was like, whatever. And they started talking about me losing weight while I was actively in a really, had a really bad eating disorder. So it's like, it really is nothing. It it is not a health marker. And I think it's just, like useless information so I think saying like for yourself also it's a practice of saying like hey my weight's nothing to do with my health like I'm like drawing a boundary here like I don't want to even have that as a factored in I think it's kind of advocating for yourself but also advocating for um just kind of sending the message like this is not this is not a thing that has to do with health, so it's not a it's not a thing that you actually need right now, unless again, like you said, that for their certain medication that yeah they need that information for.
1: Totally.
0: Yeah. I think yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's I think it's I mean why not? Yeah. Why not? I don't mm-hmm. need
1: to know. Yeah. They yeah, don't
0: exactly. Need it. Yeah. 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 It's none of their business, really. Like literally. <laughs> um. Yeah. And there's lots of other things to do within privilege. It's like being able to book a plane ticket mm. and not have to be in a whole, it's like the actual booking it, wondering if you're going to like fit in a seat. But potentially asking for a seatbelt extender, which if no one knows exists, does exist and um, totally can ask for them. I think I don't know if they have them in buses and stuff, too, but seatbelt extenders exist on planes mm-hmm. and then not having to worry about who sits beside you. And if they are, uh, if it's going to end up being harassed, like if you're going to end up facing harassment and bullying and harm in that way. Um, there's so many things like going to massage parlors or that type of thing where there's like the, the, what do you call that? Like little bed, the table. Yeah. Table. <laughs> no, i not, Oh goodness. Um, <laughs> not having to worry about there being a weight limit on the table. Cause it, there is tables that have a higher weight limit. Um, but it's, I had a client of mine who they, they, there was one place in their big city of there's like I don't know say fifteen different places that do massages. One of them had tables that had high like a high enough weight limit that they didn't even have to worry um which is also ridiculous mm-hmm. um, just the very like very basic thing of being able to just exist in your body and not have to worry about being harassed and being bullied and facing harm in that way, not being judged as a bad parent. If your child is in a larger body, in some places, they, um, if your child has a larger body, they deem that as neglect and you can have your children taken away from you. Um, not being perceived as unprofessional or sloppy or not having complete strangers who are not even in the medical field judge you as in quotes unhealthy mm. because of your size um and being paid less in the in 2018 there was a study in the UK and that I think the average people in thinner bodies on average were paid like 2,000 $2, dollars more um per year and like I was saying, like these are this is like a lot of big things, but there's so much else because the diet industry is as of 2018 is a 72 billion dollar industry, and they don't make that kind of money just having one product. They have these things, they are sending you a mess, selling you a message in magazines, in movies, in like everywhere you look, and there's no way that I can sum all of it up, <laughs> but. These are some of the basic things just so that as we go into like how to be a better ally mm-hmm. that um, you kind of have an idea of what, what the privilege yeah. is. Sorry, so, I just talked for a long time. So no, you mean, add? It's
1: important. <laughs> yeah, well, so I was something I was thinking about as you were sharing was like another part of this, <laughs> I truly call it brainwashing because it is. Another part of this like brainwashing that we've received is that, you know, as we're talking about bodies and body size, this false idea that food and movement are the only things that impact our bodies. And I think that that plays a huge role in anti-fat bias because then we have these thoughts and like, these are a lot of the thoughts that I have deprogrammed over the last few years that like, Oh, that person's fat, they should just work out or they should just eat better. And it's like mm-hmm. we like we don't know what they're doing. And at this point, mm-hmm. obviously, no, like there are marathoners who are fat. There are Olympic weightlifters who are fat. There are people doing all sorts of things that are way fitter than I am <laughs> um that are fat. And it's like mm-hmm. there are so many other things that impact our body size, like our genetics and our stress and our trauma and our sleep habits and our relation, our mental and emotional health, like all yeah. of these impact our body size. And so to look at a body and decide that it's just food and movement that is making them look this way is like yeah. so crazy. And the fact that it's really easy for people to look at someone who's thin and be like, oh, I'm so jealous that they're naturally thin and like we acknowledge that people are naturally thin yet we can't how acknowledge that people are naturally fat there's no difference like body size varies from person to person and if you actually zoom out and think about it it's like oh yeah that's like actually a really ridiculous thing to assume
0: it is yeah one of the things that Aubrey Gordon talks about in the, um, how to lose weight and other myths to tell fat people, um, is the idea that we've sort of, thin people are seen as the expert on weight loss. Mm-hmm. Even if, even if they have lost some weight, it would not be anywhere near, say if they lost 10 pounds, like, oh, it was easy. I just did these things. And those are their words. Um, mm-hmm. They for um a fat person to lose, you know, whatever weight the doctor or whoever the fuck is telling them to lose the weight, it would be like I don't know, it could be hundred, 200, like a lot more. Wow. And just on a base level, that does not like the thin person losing 10 pounds, first of all, doesn't make them an expert on weight loss, but also like like you said, since they're just potentially born in that body doesn't mean we see them as as thin thin folks as like oh they know how to be healthy they're so healthy they know how to like they're the expert on weight loss and sometimes people will place themselves in that role but it's really like you said genetics you're just born that way. You can be in a thin body and be very unhealthy and say all of your other health markers are like all at a whack, or you could this not even bringing in ableism. Like it could be disabilities that we're not seeing and medication related stuff. It's like, it's so complicated. And yeah,
1: one of the, it's so funny that you just added medication related, because I was talking to one of my clients last week about how, and this is one of the clients where we've really been working through some of this, this anti-fat bias. Um, And I was sharing with her that when I was in college, I was put on hormonal birth control for quote unquote, better periods, another soapbox that I will leave for another day. Oh my God, Um, yeah. (laughs) A whole other topic.
0: Yeah, Um, yeah.
1: But at the time I was told that that was the only way to have manageable periods. Side note, but I went on hormonal birth control. I gained 30 pounds pretty quickly. My boobs blew up like three sizes and I was moving the same. I was eating the same. So like that is just a very kind of simple example, but an example Mm -hmm. nonetheless of how it's not food and movement. Like sure mm-hmm. that takes a role, but like the only thing that changed was that my body's natural hormones were being shut off by synthetic hormones. That yeah. changed my entire body composition. That had nothing to do with how I was moving and what I was eating or how much I was eating. Because mm-hmm. those like, that was a, an accidental controlled study in this that I did. Uh. Um, for science, let's say that'll make me <laughs> care about the experience. For science, <laughs> I yeah. did it For science, um, but yeah, like who knows? Like I'm sure people saw me, and their thoughts were, "Oh, she's really let herself go." Oh like, my she's god, not yeah. Now anymore, blah 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 blah, and it's like that actually had nothing to do with it. It was just yeah. hormones. And yeah. as soon as I went off the hormonal birth control, I remember I was actually kind of freaked out because, um, I lost like eight pounds in a week, which is like not healthy on normal standards at all. Mm -hmm. Um, that's like how significantly that medication impacted my body. And Mm -hmm. it was like, it was just, it had a huge effect. And of course, not everyone is going to have these same kinds of impacts from medication, but like, just to share another example of like, we can't look at someone and know what's going on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We have, we have no way of knowing. No. And like the
1: toxic rhetoric. Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: I was going to say, even as a yoga teacher, a fitness instructor, a doctor, unless they literally are your doctor and they have your medical history um, Mm -hmm. nobody, nobody can look at you and say what's going on. Um, Which also includes like, anyone you know people that work at your gym or like whatever if you are in an environment where people are saying trying to come off as an expert of your body without actually knowing you and hearing your history it's bullshit Mm -hmm. and as on the flip side of that it is just don't say anything about other people's bodies like don't compliment weight loss. Cause it could be, I had a friend who had lost a a lot of weight because they were really fucking depressed. They were like in the worst health they'd been in maybe ever. And all they heard was compliments on their body, which has to feel awful Mm -hmm. for so many reasons, but just don't, just don't comment. Yeah.
1: It's so funny. I feel like you're like reading my mind as you're,
0: changing,
1: <laughs> because I was yeah, just yeah. going to talk about <laughs> how like another way that all people, regardless of body size can be advocates for this work is to not compliment weight loss, mm-hmm. not make comment on people's bodies, period. And yeah. now this one's a little bit of a stretch and like, for anyone who's into astrology, I'm an Aquarius, so I'm like weird and I can be awkward and whatever. Um, so I'm totally the one to do this, but I always think of this example. <laughs> My husband and i I had a singing gig, and this older woman came up to me after and was asking me, "You know, what do you do full time?" And I said, "Oh, you know, I'm a holistic health coach." And she goes, "Oh, yeah, you look really healthy." And I said. <laughs> I said, huh, we can't actually tell if someone's healthy just by looking at them. And she goes, she like made a face and walked away. And my husband was like, babe, that was so awkward. I was like, I don't care. Like- It doesn't
0: seem awkward to me.
1: <laughs> it was awkward because of her reaction. But like, yeah. yeah, like if you, to always to say, like if you feel comfortable gently shutting those types mm-hmm. of comments, I think that makes a really big impact because a lot of times again because of how we're brought up and because of how people speak about bodies it's just automatic and a lot of times people don't realize what they're saying I saw someone I don't know yesterday I like don't even remember who it was but I remember I saw someone and they gave me a hug and they were like oh my god you look amazing and I was like it's so good to see you like Mm -hmm. I we don't even just saying like, you look amazing. Like, it seems like an automatic way to greet someone, but like that, yeah. I'm excited to see you as a human and spend time with you. And I don't care what you look like, you know, mm. like that's a weird, it's kind of weird that that's become a greeting, true. you know? Yeah. And so just switching up the, the conversation, responding with like, how have you been? Or it's so good to see you or something that doesn't have to do with someone's appearance. Mm noticing if you're doing it someone who is very um supportive of my work uh and has followed me for a really long time and has given me opportunities to speak about my work we were getting coffee together and she saw someone she hadn't seen forever and was like oh my god you look amazing and like again it's not because she's trying to do something harmful like it's just ingrained and so, yeah, like shifting the narrative, if you feel comfortable calling it out, I think is huge, especially with people you're close to, like close friends and family, like, hey, maybe we don't comment on people's appearance. Maybe we don't. Yeah. And it's it's different if like someone cut their hair and you love the way it looks, right? Like that's a choice yeah. that they're making. That's. Di- I had a client once that was like, I'm scared to say anything about anything physical. And I'm like, if you like someone's outfit compliment yeah. their outfit if you like their haircut compliment their haircut like that's different those yeah. are choices that we're making that are like self-expression right like I don't control what my body looks like I do control my haircut <laughs> you know
0: that's, true. that's a good uh, so point
1: stick, stick to things that like are controllable stick to mm-hmm. things that are like fun and exciting and and yeah like not people's bodies.
0: Yeah. I agree with that. There's if you are feeling I know that it can be really kind of scary and nerve-wracking to think about replying to some of these comments. Um I think Jordan and I did an episode and I don't remember when. I think it was around the holidays about how to react to other people's comments.
1: Mm.
0: So if you scroll back, you should see it. I think it was just this past winter because I remember us talking about holiday parties or holiday get-togethers. Um that would be a good one to listen to if you're like completely unsure but it's um one of the things we mentioned in it is that you also can just like walk away from the conversation if you're if you are like the idea of saying something terrifies you but also sometimes you surprise yourself and you say things and you're like well that was i had a lot of like bravery to say that comment just now (laughs) i've done that before (laughs) um where i like someone a, a customer made a comment about my like a coworker's body and I didn't even think I just it was like no no like I cut them off in the middle of their sentence I taught like I said like no no like I was talking to like lecturing a, like a kid or something and then they were like what and I was like no no, no we don't comment on people's bodies here and they were like look so shocked and I was like nope just we don't we don't do that and they were oh, like yeah. what and I just was I was like no we don't we don't do that here like you can't tell anything about anyone by looking at them Mm -hmm. And then I was internally like, whoa, I said that out loud. I love that.
1: Yeah, I love that. I will also say it's so funny because I had like a something happen similar to that really recently at, at like a book club meeting. Someone was like, oh, your abs were popping in that picture. And I sat there and I was like, this was a moment where it was day one of my period. I barely made it to the meeting. Because I was in pain and I was like, it's not a time to say something, mm-hmm. but I literally said nothing, and I think that that still said something, yeah. You know, like I sat there and I was like, I'm going to refrain from adding to that, yeah. and then I changed the subject. And yeah. so, if the thought of again, to your point, if the thought of saying something makes you want a bomb, like
0: <laughs> you yeah. don't have
1: to, you can opt out and like not joining the conversation if you especially if you used to join the conversation is still going to make a statement
0: Mm -hmm. that's very true yeah just like show up in the way that feels safe for you or in the moment totally yeah um I think we might have to do if you're open to it we might do you want to do like a part two sometime I don't, I don't usually know. ask this while we're recording, but <laughs> every I mean, all the yeah. audience, you get to hear this too That <laughs> behind the scenes moment, totally. Um, because I feel like we've touched on a couple of like super important things to start with, but I feel like there's a lot more we could um, go into and we just hit the 45 minute mark. So yeah, um, I agree. To, to, okay, sweet. Well, so we'll do a part two sum up for this one is like, we talked about learning about your thin privilege and just starting education on Like, look into why BMI is bullshit. I think I have lots of, I have, at least I have a few um, resources on my website and I post stuff in the the I keep wanting to say comments, but in the show notes, Mm -hmm. Um, so we talked about like educating yourself and learning your privilege. And we also talked about calling it out and um, not commenting on other people's bodies. I'm not commenting on other people's bodies at all, basically unless yeah. it's like you said, like it's a expression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Cool. I think
1: maintenance so, phase also has a specific episode about BMI. So like, yeah,
0: they do. They do. Going
1: through maintenance phase. Um, I'll give my stamp of approval on that one too. Like part <laughs> of that podcast. Hmm. Uh, yeah. They've got a whole episode on BMI.
0: Yeah, they do. And I think I'll just say like, if, just really quickly, and we can talk about more about this next time, but as a part of this work, um, listening to people who are in bigger bodies, like in fat bodies about their experiences, just listening. If you yep. are having a conversation conversation as someone, in, if you are in a thin body, as someone in a fat body, let it be centered around their experiences and actually listen to the stuff that they face day to day. I understand sometimes we want to say like, oh, you know, I had this thing happen too, but the, and that we want to say that to connect. And I think in some cases that's appropriate, but in cases where there is been privilege and there's like, we've talked about some pretty serious things that can impact someone's life from anti-fat bias, just do your best to just listen, like listen to what they're saying, let it be centered around them and just hold space. Like hold space that way because um it's it's not quite the same if you're it's not quite the same I'll just say that (laughs) does that make sense yeah
1: Yeah. and I think as as a sign off as well I will add that like (laughs) I think in in anti-racist work they call it whataboutism right? Like, well, what about, we can all all think of people who have simultaneously lost weight and improved their health. We're not Mm -hmm. saying that never happens. We're saying that that doesn't necessarily have to happen, right? We're saying that like, you can't see health. We're saying that there are people in healthy bodies that are fat bodies and people who are in unhealthy bodies that are thin bodies, like, there's, there's a range. People have varied experiences and mm-hmm. not every single person has the same experience. And like, yeah. it's just really important to acknowledge that. So like, yeah. if you think of examples that are like the opposite of what we talked about today, I'm sure like I can think of some too. Humans are very complex and everybody is
0: different. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. It's so complex. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk about this more because I feel like we could just keep talking about it
1: for Same. <laughs> a whole day.
0: <laughs> so look out for part two. Um, I'm going to keep it a secret for when it's coming out because I don't know and just make it mysterious. Where can people find you?
1: You can find me on the gram at laura.days. And yeah, that's like the easiest place to get a hold of me. I'm on the gram way too much. So cool.
0: <laughs> i'll post in the comments um a link as well and then if you have any questions i think that spotify yeah spotify has a uh, feature if you scroll down if you are listening on spotify you can ask questions directly on the, the app um cool. if you're listening on apple or anywhere else or you don't feel like trying to figure out how spotify works you can just send me an email info at movewithbilly.com and we can if anything comes up for this particular episode or this topic we can re- um, touch on it next time yeah. or in the future. Love it. If you have questions, feedback, comments, you can find me, um, at move with Billy on most social media things. Although if you want to actually like hang out with me, I would just say Instagram because it's where I actually hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you could do all the things like follow, subscribe, share all of those words that I forget every single week, somehow, even though I've been doing this over a year, Um, That'd be great. Thank you. (laughs) And we'll see you next time. We'll see you soon. See you next time. Bye. The Rebel Movement Club by Move With Billy has been described as a space that gathers up all the misfits and makes them feel at home. It's a virtual club where there is yoga classes, mobility classes, workout classes every single week, and it's a month-by-month membership. Best part is it's queer safe, led by someone who is queer and non-binary. It is trauma informed, led by someone who has experienced trauma, and it's truly anti-diet like nothing to do with diet culture here it's a space where you can show up as yourself practice online you can get the recordings and really have this space and the freedom encouragement to listen to your body notice how it, the movements feel in your body and go from there there's three different tiers of membership options whether you want to practice five times a month with the live classes or up to vip where you want to do all the classes and get personalized one-on-one support each membership has a bunch of perks you get all of the on-demand you get discounts you get free workshops you get it's so great join the club today by clicking the link in the show notes and enjoy the episode